You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. Church family, it is an unbelievable privilege that so many of us here and online, thank you for joining us online, uh, that we have just to be called by God. You know, he called to us. We didn't call to him. Many of us weren't even looking for him. I wasn't even looking for him, but he was looking for me. You know, and it's an unbelievable privilege to have him call your name and, and draw you to him. Amen. And so it's an unbelievable, unbelievable privilege to serve him too. And we get, we get opportunities all the time to serve him at work, in our families, um, wherever we go, at church. You know, we get an unbelievable, the unbelievable privilege to serve him. And I started talking about winning the day last Wednesday, about winning the morning. And I'm going to still talk about it. There's some things we still need to talk about, but I want to talk about this first. Because, you know, when you are faithful with the little, uh, God says he'll make you ruler over much. But the greatest privilege you get, I think a lot of times we think about promotion or this or that or bigger this, bigger that. But man, the greatest promotion you could ever, ever get is that you are, you are a friend of God's. Listen, I, I, I'm not kidding. And, and so many people live at a lower level. It says in the Old Testament that Many of the Jews uh, knew God by what he did, but only Moses knew him as a friend. The rest of them just knew him by what he did. And there's so many people even today, they know him by what he does, but they don't know him as a friend. And he wants us to go to that level. Listen to this in John chapter 2. 
Starting in verse 23, he said, While Jesus was at the Passover feast, the number of his followers began to grow, and many gave their allegiance to him because of all the miraculous signs that they, they had seen him doing. Man, people haven't changed. A lot of times people, they, they, they pledge, their, pledge their allegiance to, to Jesus to serve him because of the signs, the miraculous signs, the things he does for them. But listen to what Jesus says here. This is really important. But Jesus did not yet entrust himself to them because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. He knew how fickle that, that if, you know, it's like he said to all the people that were following him around after he fed thousands of people, after he gave them a free meal, free wasn't, there wasn't a lot of free stuff back then. And we know even now, a lot of times free isn't free. It comes with some strings attached, you know. And so they were just, a lot of people were following him around because of what he could do for them. And that's when he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And that's why it said they all left. The crowd just began to disperse and leave. And he even looked at the 12 and said, you guys going too? Because everybody was following him for what he could do. But there's another level that goes beyond that to earn his trust. And there's men in the Old Testament that earned his trust. Abraham earned God's trust. Moses earned God's trust. He later says to the 11, he says, I no longer call you friends. And we're going to read it in a little bit. But I, call, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Do you know you can stay at the servant level with God? You can stay at the servant level. Or you can move up to the friend level. But it comes down to, can he trust you? Can he trust you? You know, I, I gave you a statement last Wednesday. that I said this, I said, don't do or do a little a lot. Don't do a lot a little. And so, you know, it's real important that we do the little things that God asks us to do, that we become very obedient. How does, how does anybody earn your trust is, by, by obeying, by doing what is right. And that's how we win God's trust, that when he asks us to do something, we do it. And we don't wait a month. We don't wait a month. We get after it. We're like, God, what would you say? Okay. You notice with Abraham, and we talked about this when we talked about the wisdom of God, that Abraham, right after God had asked him to, to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, that the next day he got up and got moving? He didn't wait. He didn't wait around a week thinking God will change his mind or maybe he didn't hear right and that surely that's not what God meant. No, he just obeyed. And that's why God trusted Abraham. That's why he said, should we not tell Abraham what we're going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah before we do it? The answer was yes, we should tell them. And then because Abraham was so close to God, he, he, he actually, God allowed him to negotiate with him. Because that's the kind of friend he'd become. And with Moses, Moses became so close to God that he was allowed. He, he, he said, God, God said, I'm going to wipe all these people out. When they built the golden calf, he said, I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses said, don't do it, Lord, don't do it. Please don't do it. Don't do it, Lord. Don't do it. Don't do that to them. And then he said, what about your reputation? They'll, they'll say things about you, Father. And Moses was defending God's reputation, and God honored it. 
That's a friend. See, when you become a friend to God, you have different conversations. But you only can be a friend in this life with each other or others when you, they learn to trust you and you trust them. That's where, that's where intimacy comes from. So my question is, can he trust you to do the little things? Can he trust you to do the little things right? Can he trust you to start your morning the way we talked about starting our morning? With gratitude. With thankfulness. Can he trust you to do those things? I'm going to show you this scripture uh, talking about Moses. Go to Exodus, uh, if you can, put it up on the screen. Exodus 33, 11. If you can put that up there for me. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his and he, would return to the, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So, you know, he talked to Moses face to face. Man, that term face to face is an intimate term. Like, you, you're, you're face to face. It's, it's like we're, we're connected. We're, we're, ta- we're having a, a, a serious friendship, intimate, and intimacy doesn't mean sexual. It means relational it's like we're so good of friends we're having this face-to-face conversation because Moses did what God asked him to do and God trusted him man I don't know about you but there's a lot of good things that can happen in this life but the best thing that could ever happen to me is if God would ever call me his friend Man, there's nothing better that will ever happen in your life to living in the presence of God, that his presence is so thick that you're his friend, that you're God's friend. But it comes down to obeying the little things. So many things God has told us to do. So many things he's spoken to me, to you. Hey, get, start working on this. Start fixing this. Start cleaning this up in your life. Start doing this and start doing that and start doing this. And man, a lot of times we put it off and we haven't done it. <coughs> I've ministered to people to years and spoken things. Man, I've told people, you gotta, you gotta stop living in your flesh and always reacting emotionally and doing this. And man, they've sat in this church for years and years and years and they still do it. I don't even say anything about it anymore. I'm just like, I just try to encourage them. Why? Because, I mean, how many years do I, does God have to deal with you? How many years does he have to speak to you to say, hey, come on, you, got, you can't keep reacting like that. You can't always get fearful and worried and depressed and down and keep running back to the world and, or, or running back to your own and letting your emotions dominate you and anxiety and worry just dominate your life and, you know, always mad or always worked up or always down and out. You know, guys, there's, there's got to be, so, you know, if you want God to trust you, then you got to step over that line and say, God, you know what? You've dealt with me for the years. I'm stepping over that line tonight. I, tonight, I'm going to step over that line. And I'm really going to go to work. I might not perfect it tonight, but I'm going to work. I haven't been working on it, Lord, like I should have. In making serious quality decisions, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a change. And just like I've seen some that haven't, I've seen so many that have. That used to have a negative attitude or a bad attitude or a griping and complaining attitude, always finding fault with the church, their family, their husband, their kids, their job. I've seen those same people, man, radically different. 
They're not like that anymore. Why? Because God, they, they said, God, do you want to make this change in me? I'm going to cooperate, and let's do it together. And then they've accomplished it. And that's why you see when, when things like that start happening to people, when they start becoming trustworthy, that God can trust them, man, God starts moving. And then he'll want to have face-to-face conversations with you as a friend, as a son or a daughter, and a father speaking together. Face-to-face, intimacy, a, re- a deeper relationship. I think it's the greatest gift we could ever be given. The greatest gift. Go with me to John 15, 14 and 17. John 15, 14 and 17. This is a reference I made. It says, 14 through 17 says this. You show that you are my intimate friends when you, what's that word? Obey all that I commend you. Commend you. You show you're my intimate friends when you obey. When you obey. When you obey. Man, church, I can't tell you enough. When you start obeying, I'm dealing with little things, little changes you can make in your life right now. Just waking up grateful, and we're going to go over a few more of those tonight. But just those things to start. Just start. God said, be continually thankful continually thank him, continually. When you wake up thankful and you operate like that, God will trust you with, he'll trust you. He'll trust you. And you'll become, you'll become an intimate friend. When you obey all that I command you, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you, 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 my most intimate and cherished friends, for I reveal to you everything. Everybody say everything that I've heard from my father. Wow. I reveal to you everything. I mean, that's an intimate relationship. And God, but how did they gain that trust? They, they did what he told them to do. He, they, he said, make this change, and they did it. He said, do this, and they did it. Go here, and they did it. Don't go here, and they didn't. Do this, and they did it. Go do this, and they did it. You can develop an intimate relationship. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor Troy, how do you hear the voice of God? you got to develop an intimate relationship, and you only develop an intimate relationship is that when he's dealing with you, you, you obey. Then he trusts you. Otherwise, he's going to keep you as a servant, or he's going to keep you at a distance. That's why the children of Israel, they backed off the mountain. They said, we don't want to hear his voice. We don't want to be that. They didn't want to be that close to God because he's holy. And they didn't want to be dealt with on that level. So they backed off and said, Moses, you go. You go talk to him, Moses. Moses wasn't afraid. He welcomed God's holiness. He welcomed God's power. He welcomed God's God's, uh, uh, commands. He welcomed God into his life. And that's why he was greatly used of God. Because, the, the, and they weren't, none of these men and women were perfect. None of the women that obeyed, none of the men that obeyed, none of them were perfect. But man, their heart was to be perfect. Their heart was to be obedient to the Lord God Almighty. And trust that whatever he told them to do, whatever he, change he was dealing with them to make, that it was going to be for good. 
It was going to be for good. And so I want to encourage you to start making some of these changes, to start moving in this direction. The Bible says in Exodus 23, 30, uh, that God gave them the land little by little and drove them out from before the, he said, I'll give it to you little by little and little. I will drive them out before thee until thee be increased and inherit the land. So let me put that as King James English. He said, I'm going to drive them out little by little, and I'm going to give you the land little by little until you can increase, until you can grow in number, and you can grow in knowledge to be able to handle it. And as long as they did it, as long as they moved forward and did the little and the little, God continued to give and continued to trust them with more. You know, I had someone tell me one time, Pastor Troy, I believe in God for this mansion of a house. I said, uh, you know, how big's your house now? He said, it's not very big. And I've seen the house. I saw the house, and it was maintained. But I'm like, you know, is it a struggle to maintain that, that house? And he said, yeah, man, there's something always breaking down and happening. I said, well, that house that you're, you're believing God for is about 10 times the size of that. What do you think is going to take care of that? That's that many more toilets that can be clogged by your kids. That's many more doorknobs. That's many more holes they can put in the wall. That's, I mean, you just start, you know, all the stuff you have to fix constantly, that's more rooms you have to clean. <laughs> that's more mopping you got to do. I hope a maid service comes with that house. I hope, because I, you're going to be in trouble trying to keep that thing clean and just maintain it. Just maintaining the yard, maintaining any of it. You know, I said, man, I would be believing just for a house maybe 500 more square feet or 1,000 more feet to see if you can handle that. Right? Because when you do things little by little, man, that's how you increase and that's how you grow and that's how God trusts you and you learn to obey him little by little. He very rarely will save you and ask you to jump over the Grand Canyon. He usually asks you to just start walking down the path. Just take a step. You know, start on the south rim and start walking. By the end of it, you'll have, you'll have walked the Grand Canyon and accomplished it. But just take it one step at a time. And so having said that, you know, we started off last week with Matthew 6.33 that says, put my kingdom first and I will add all these other things to you. So that, that's why I said we have to start with his kingdom First, the first day of the week is Sunday. We start with his kingdom in, ch in church. In church. We, we make it a priority. Listen, if God can't even trust you to go to church, wow. But yet people want him. they're like, God do this and God do that. And he can't even trust you to show up for church. Trust you to serve. You know, people say, God, let me win the lottery. It's at $2 billion. Can he trust you to even handle the finances that you have now? Do you tithe now? Do you give now? Everybody say, well, I'm going to be a big giver when I win that lottery. I'm going to tell you, you'll be the same size giver you are now. You will. That's why I call it the curse of the lottery, because the people that aren't givers and don't live right and aren't handling things right right now, it just exacerbates. It magnifies all the sin and issues in your life, money does. Can he trust you now? Well, but when, but when I have that, no, man, can he trust you now? 
God, I want to hear your voice. Can he trust you now to do even the little things he's spoken to you already? We hadn't spoken to me. Oh, yes, he has. Every time your conscience pricks your heart and says, man, you've got to stop doing that. He's speaking to you. You've got to stop losing your temper every time you get in an argument with your wife or husband. You've got to stop just, you know, acting like the children are just bothering you all the time. You've got to grow some patience. You have to grow in some patience. I mean, all those little things that God is working us on us all the time, just those little changes. I mean, each time you make one, God will just trust you and trust you and trust you and trust you. It just begins to grow. But put his kingdom first. And then, you know, we also talked about, you know, just walking with him that, you know, we need to renew our minds with his word. We need to start off the morning in the word. Waking up thankful. Starting off in the Word, even if it's five minutes of reading, if it's just a, it's just a, you know, a, a lesson on your phone, a Bible app you have, a lesson la- app you have that you read the Scripture and you read about a lesson for five minutes, but it's just, it's just starting off right. Like God, you're first. You're first when I wake up. I'm thankful for everything you've already done. Secondly, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna get in your. You told me to read your word. You told me to meditate on it day and night. How can I meditate on it day and night if I'm not reading it? You told me the only way I'm gonna think right. My ideas are gonna be right. My imagination's gonna be right, and that I will know your will is to read your word. You told me that, and so I'm gonna do it. We talked about those things. We talked about being present. You know, last week, it's a new day. His mercies are new every day. His grace is new every day. It's a new day that's never existed before in the universe. It's a new day. And treating it like that and just being present in that day. You know, there's somebody that came to this church for years that unfortunately passed away. But I, to me, when it came to his relationship with people. He wasn't perfect by any means. But when he came to his relationship with people and how he handled the the gifts and talents that God had given him, athletic gifts and talents, he was so good at just being present and just being faithful with a little and just kind of processing through life just a little bit at a time. You know, just working on this a little bit at a time. He was so patient with people. He was incredibly patient with people. And and very, very compassionate towards people. And be very present with people. And to me, in, in this particular area of his life, his athletic life, his coaching life, how he treated his family, how he cared about his kids and his wife, he, he was so good at this. At just being present and doing doing the little things a lot. He didn't do anything, you know, big all the time. That's not him. He just did the little things a lot, and it added up to be a great deal. And, and it's one of our church families. His name is Mickey Reeves. And Mickey was inducted into the Hall of Fame at Highlands New Mexico University just a few weeks ago and will sh- hopefully shortly be inducted into the New Mexico Hall of Fame. But I just want you to see just a little little bit of some of the testimonies and some of the people that talked about him. Um, and the first one was his quarterback at Roswell High. Mickey played at Roswell High. Uh, that, played, that played at Texas Tech quarterback. And then also he beat Texas, which was awesome. 
at Texas Tech. And then he, uh, and then he coached at New Mexico State. His dad was a long-term coach in the state of New Mexico. But that's the first guy. And then you'll, you'll see the other people that begin to talk about him. Can you run that video about Good evening. I'm Jason Clemens. I was a quarterback of the 1987-1988 state championship football teams from Roswell High School. I was fortunate enough to go on and play college football at Eastern New Mexico and then Texas Tech University. And I coached college football for six years at New Mexico State and Texas Tech. My dad was a high school football coach before we moved to Roswell. And I can honestly say with all of my experience, Mickey Reeves was one of the best high school football players that I ever saw. He was athletic. He was tenacious. He had a high football IQ, but his number one attribute, in my opinion, was his toughness. On defense, he could run the alleys and he would turn your hat around. And on offense, he was a tenacious blocker. And when he had the football in his hands, he could run around you, he could run by you, or he could run right through you. The reason he was one of the best football players in the history of New Mexico is only because he played New Mexico. Because if he would have played in Texas, or California or Florida, he would have been known as one of the most outstanding football players in the history of their states as well. I'm honored to have called him a friend. I'm blessed to have been able to play with him, and I appreciate you honoring him tonight. Hello, Cowboys. This is Jermaine Whitaker, New Mexico Highland graduate, 1996. Also played football with the, the great Mickey Reeves, and I just want to share some words of my feeling about my brother, how much I loved him, how much I miss him. Um, and just, just, just give some, 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 some words about Mickey and what he meant to all of us on the team. Uh, Mickey, when he came to the team, he was a, a instant leader, a true person that we all want to follow. You know, not because he was a great athlete on the field, because that he was, but because he was a great person. Um, he was probably one of the, the best persons I've ever been around. He taught me a lot. Uh, we spent a whole lot of time together in the off season working out. Spent a whole lot of time together in during season working out. And he, he was just a great, great person to be around. I'm truly happy that he's getting this honor being inducted this year. Um, this is a huge, huge accomplishment, a huge, huge, huge success for him. Just to talk about the, you know, what he did at, when he was at New Mexico Highlands. He was a great receiver and a great DB. He was a two-way player for us and did amazing things on both sides of the ball. Um, just making, just, you know, just the summertime, him and I playing softball together with some friends from town, with, with Ruben and, and all the crew. Just watching him throw a softball from center field all the way to to, to the plate. I was the catcher and, and it still hurt my hand. The can, he had a cannon of an arm. He was a great athlete. One of the fastest cats I've ever been around. Um, and, and truly, a, it was truly a blessing to, to play with him but it's truly a blessing to get to know him as a person because he was a tremendous man. Um, Nikki, I love you, man. I miss you. Um, to the family, my heart's with you. Um, truly a blessing to, to, to have Mickey uh, be a part of my life and help me be the person who I am today. Um, God bless everybody. Take care. Go Cowboys. Mick Reeves was a great man. The fact that he was a great athlete is without question. Just ask the kids that he regularly schooled in practice. Two words come to mind when I think of Mick, and they're humble and mentor. I moved to New Mexico from Texas, so I didn't know about the legend that was Mick Reeves. What I found out about him didn't come from him. It came from numerous stories from everyone else. 
He was my defensive coordinator for 10 years, and he was a perfect assistant and the ultimate team guy. Mick cared so much about every student. His goal was for every one of them to be successful, not only on the field, but off the field and in their life ahead. He worked daily to be a godly example for them to follow. The number of lives he touched over his career as a husband, father, player, coach, teacher, and friend is immense. I am so blessed and humbled to get the opportunity to honor an amazing man and my friend, Mick Reeves. I had the privilege of being married to Mick for over 23 years. Together we raised three wonderful kids plus two bonus kids. All of their lives are better because of their dad. Mick's stats and his teammates will tell the story of an incredible athlete, but today I want to share the story of an incredible man who had a great influence on so many people. People told Mick most of his life that he was born to play football. What Mick began to realize as he got older is that football and baseball were simply tools that he could use to fulfill his purpose. Mick was born to coach. He was born to coach football and baseball and to use his testimony to influence and change the lives of the players that he coached. Mick had a God-given talent as an athlete. Being the youngest of four boys probably had a little bit to do with that. He worked and trained hard to develop his talent, and he, had, and he had much more success in sports than many. But he soon found out that that alone is not fulfilling. He was grateful, but he knew there was more to this life. Once he gave his life to Jesus and began to seek God's will and purpose for his life, he found everything that he was looking for. Suddenly, his talent had a greater purpose. He loved every player that played for him. He poured hours of time into each player and every game that they played. He tried to teach them all to live for more than just themselves, to find their true worth and purpose. Sadly, that time came to an end much sooner than any of his loved ones wanted. But his legacy lives on in every player that he ever touched. I know his message to everyone tonight would be, find God's purpose for your life and spend every day living it out. That was Mickey's induction. Yeah, you can clap for him. You know, you're talking about a guy that lived in the present. Man, he lived in the present. Mickey was so chill. You know, it, it's hard to believe sometimes he was such a great athlete, but I watched him play uh, when I was older. I, I, I came back, and that's when Roswell uh, started really being able to play football. Uh, back about down that time uh, with Sean and him, and, and they, they started really getting better for a long time. They weren't very good, but that, those years, they took off, and... Uh, uh, Mickey was a huge part of that, Sean, and that whole group of, of young men were a big part of that. But Mickey, you know, you would never know that he was drafted by the Cubs. You'd never know that he got a tryout with the, you know, he was, got the last cut of the San Francisco 49ers. And the only reason he didn't make that team is because the guy in front of him was a pro bowler named Merton Hanks. And that's the only reason he didn't make the team. He played in Europe. He played, he played professional baseball for a short period of time. I mean, just, but... All that aside, the point that I'm trying to make it about Mickey and why he's in the Hall of Fame is because Mickey learned to live in the present. 
Mickey was always very present. And he did the little things. The little things that made a difference in people's lives. What you didn't hear was a testimony about a guy who ended up playing pro baseball that Mickey spent time with. Just to... Just time, just time, and sowed those little things into him. They ended up giving, you know, Mickey a lot of credit for making it to the pros, to the MLB. You know, guys, uh, I just, I wanted to tell that story because I want you to see what you can accomplish when you just do the little things a lot. And Mickey, yes, he had, he had God-given gifts, but man, once those days were over, coaching is, is something that is a gift too, but you have to work hard at it to win championships, amen? And so I want you to see that, man, you can be in the hall of fame of what God's called you to do. More importantly, you can be in the hall of fame of, of heaven, the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, that there, that there was a person with your name that stood and believed God and, and trusted God so much that when he dealt with you about doing the little things, you said, yes, sir, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll do that, and I'll do that right now. That you won't just ask what to do from God. You'll ask when to do it. God, yes, I see, I, I see what, you, what, you need, what you want me to do, but when do you want me to start, God? You want me to do that today? You want me to do that tonight? You want me to do that tomorrow? Many of you have been dealt with at 3 in the morning. You wake up, and God says, get up and go pray, and you've rolled over and gone back to sleep. I'm not saying that to beat you down or to throw a rock at you. I'm just saying how many of us have done that when we should have got up and prayed? And, and we sometimes find out later what we should have been praying about. Sometimes we don't know. It's like, man, I don't know why he dealt with me, but I should have got up. Man, listen, when he can trust you, when he can trust you to wake up and pray, when he, can tr- when he wakes you up, he don't wake you up every night, but when he does, when he, if he can trust you to get up out of bed, go lay on your face and pray till you get a release, till you get some peace, like, okay, I prayed everything I know to pray. God, I don't know what else to pray. Uh, you know, and then go back to bed. When he can trust you with those things, God will consider you a friend. When we do the little things a lot, God, and just obey his voice and just get on it and be about his business. Man, there's some simple things that I learned as a Christian. Man, simple things that I learned from, from Pastor David and Pastor Mark and some men that were around me. I learned some simple things as a very young Christian that I just started applying. When I heard it preached and I could see it in the Word and I, and I, I studied it out for myself and I saw it in the Word, I just started applying it, man. Man, listen, I, I knew I got to get this. I got to start doing this and I need to start doing that. And Man, I just, I just jumped in with both feet. I don't know what holds some people back. But man, all you're holding back is your relationship with an almighty God that wants to speak to you, that wants to bless you, that wants to promote you, that wants to help you. That's all you're holding back. You're holding back your own blessings. And so let's start off every morning. Let's wake up thankful. Man, it'll change your whole day. If you're a gripey, if you're a gripey person in the morning, you start waking up and start thanking God. You can't stay gripey for long. It'll change your countenance. Wake up thankful. Wake up getting your word, even if it's just for a few minutes. Wake up and be present. Say, man, this is a new day. This is a day that you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad of it. I'm going to put the past behind me. I'm going to deal with today. We're moving forward, God, today. 
Yesterday might have been a great day or a bad day. Might have been the best day of my life or the worst day of my life, but it's, it's back there, and now I'm here, and I'm going to be present in this day. I'm going to be present. We talked about getting up 30 minutes early and getting time back. I want to go to number five and talk about making your bed. Oh, no, someone said, oh, no. You know, when I was a kid, I used to tell my mama, Mom, what's the point? I'm crawling back into this here in just a few hours. What's the point of making a bed? But you know the military always starts off making their bed. Why do they make soldiers, first thing they get up, they have to make their bed and make it a certain way and do it right? I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why that there's books written about it. A general just a few years ago wrote a book about, I think it's titled Making Your Bed. And he talks about just the just beginning to, that's something that takes very little talent. Now, my wife thinks that I don't put the pillows on the bed right. But I still get them on there. I'm like, what's it matter if it's turned this way or that way? Matters to her. That's what I know. And so, but, you know, there's something about just getting up. And, and the reason this is an important thing is that, Every time you begin your day finishing something, it starts you on a process of finishing. Finishing things compound. They have, it's, like, it's like compounding interest, interest that builds. When you, when you wake up in the morning and you make your bed and you finish that and you get that done, and then you, you just start your day after you thank God and you get in your word. And, I mean, you just go and make your bed real quick before you jump a shower. It doesn't take but a minute. Man, you just, you've accomplished something already. You, you finished what you started. I, you know, God does everything decently and in order. Everything decently and in order. And when your life is not decent and, and it's inorderly, that God can't trust you. He can't trust you when you don't think, do things decently and in order. I, you know, guys, I've, I've, seen, I've seen different things in my life. And I've had six kids and ten people living in my home. And I know what it's like to have clutter and things like that. And we're constantly, we're picking up, cleaning, picking up, picking up, waking up, picking up, going to bed, picking up. And it's a lot of work to keep that. But, guys, I've been in some situations where people's homes, you can't even walk through them. And if that's you, I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying this. I mean, if you ever want God to trust you, you've got to do those. You've got to start somewhere. And I know sometimes it gets so overwhelming. It's like, oh, man, where do I even start? You just, you don't have to fix the whole thing overnight. You just do one thing. Move one box. You know, people, for some reason, I think it's because of insecurities and fears, have just become pack rats. Pack rats. Can't let go of anything, not a piece of paper. Their life is so out of order, they just got to hang on to everything. So they might forget it, or they might lose it. Or, and they just, they just live in this anxiety and fear and insecurity. we got to let that go. God said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. In supplication, make your requests known to God. we got to trust God. And when we trust him, then he'll teach us how to be trustworthy. Just start working on something. Make your bed tomorrow morning. Well, my husband won't help me or my wife won't help me. Who cares? You do it. You do it. Teach your children to do that. They'll gripe. They'll complain if you haven't taught them already. They'll gripe, complain. They won't like it. They won't want to do it. 
But it's healthy for them. It's healthy for them to start their day actually already accomplishing something. It makes you feel better, I promise. It makes you feel better. I, I don't like it when our bed's not made. It's now it's become such a habit. But I didn't grow up thinking that. I grew up thinking it was a waste of time until I understood that God wants us to be finishers. Finishers. Amen? And so we, we need to be finishers. You know, one degree, if you start in San Diego and fly to Hawaii and you're one little degree off, that's not a long trip in the air. You'll end up 42 miles off course. You'll miss Hawaii completely. Every 60 miles you fly and you're off one degree, you're off another mile. One degree. One degree off. One, one, those little things add up. Those little things add up. One of the key wisdom things Julie and I learned a long time ago was that, that organize something every day. And that part of that is make your bed. It's that simple. We're out of time, aren't we? Man, I wanted to get through this time. I'm going to do them real quick. Number six, move your body. Five minutes of movement. You know, walking counts. If you want to take it all the way, three minutes of what's called a high-intensity workout, three times a week for 15 minutes, you do a, what's called a HIIT workout, high-intensity work, just for 15 minutes, that will change your, your, your health, that'll change your weight, that'll change your physique. It'll, it'll, it'll help you get your, your body healthy. But listen, even little movements count. I learned at Cineviv, a hospital Julie and I went to uh, in Mexico for cancer treatment, that, men, this one guy taught us, he said, if you ever notice dogs, the first thing they do is they stretch their whole body. He said, that's what human beings should do too. So I wake up, I stretch my whole body. I do that. He taught us to stretch in the morning before we get out, stretch my hamstrings. I, I stretch, I just get my body moving as, after I thank the Lord. And so, man, it's real important that small increases learn, lead to big gains when it comes to physical activity. Number seven, make a schedule. Oh, I got to stop there because I got to talk about that one. I got I, I promise you right now, if you're a young family and you're, you're trying to juggle kids and work and life, if you come, if you'll do, if you'll do what I'm going to talk about next week, number seven, it will revolutionize your, it'll bring so much peace to you. Organization always brings peace. Man, when we, before we leave on vacation now, we clean our, we clean everything. Because when we walk back in, it's like, <sighs> but we used to when we had kids and we were just throwing, I'm just throwing junk in the car. I'm like throwing suitcases and I don't care. I don't, man, I don't have any swim trunks. Well, you'll swim in your underwear. Get in there, boy. I, I mean, just throwing stuff in there, you know, and then we just try to drive off and then we get back and the house is like, it looked like we empty every drawer and threw everything out and, you know, and you walk in, it's like, oh, crud. It, it just drains you. It drains life out of you. But oh, man, if you'll, man, when we get to number seven next Wednesday night, if you'll begin to do this, it'll, it'll revolutionize your life. And, and guys, what it will do is, you know, it will draw God to you. He'll begin to trust you that you're faithful with the little. And he'll make you ruler over much. Listen, every eye closed. Uh, man, listen to me real quick. If you don't know Jesus, 
Your life's already so out of order. You can have all this put together. You could be in the greatest shape. You can, you can have all your, your ducks in a row and your finances and your retirement and your job. You can have all this in order. But without Jesus in your life, it'll all be for nothing. It loses its meaning and its purpose. And you begin to serve those things instead of those things serving you. God created human beings to live way beyond our selfish interests and desires. He created us to live higher than that, better than that, for a higher purpose. He created us to be part of a rescue mission. He created us to be his forever friends, his forever family. Unfortunately, because of Adam, we all fell, and then we live in a fallen world, so we've all sinned. We, we have no rocks to throw at Adam. We've all fallen. We've all come short of God's perfection. But man, I've got some great news for you. He sent Jesus. And he lived in a man suit, but he wasn't a he wasn't full, he was in a man's suit, but he was fully man and fully God. He was the son of man and the son of God, all world into one. And he lived a perfect, sinless, holy life so he could purchase our lives back. Our lives back from being controlled and enslaved by sin, living for nothing, living in vanity. Vain lives. Purposeless lives. And he did that. He, he gave his life to purchase back not only our life in this life, but to purchase back even more importantly, our life in the next life that we're found not guilty instead of guilty. That by his holy blood, he's purchased us back. He's paid the price for our penalty so we get eternal life instead of eternal death. Oh my goodness, it's the greatest gift ever given to mankind. It's the greatest treasure. It's the greatest love you'll ever experience. The greatest purpose you'll ever live for. He's taken me places I, I did, never dreamed of. And he's done things in not just my life, but so many others in this. Uh, so many, just like Mickey. He took Mickey way beyond sports where he led so many young men to Jesus. So many will go to heaven and their families will go to heaven because of Mickey. He might be a Hall of Famer at New Mexico Highlands and a Hall of Famer eventually in the state of New Mexico, but man, he's a Hall of Faither in the kingdom of heaven because he made his life count. It was bigger than him. It only came when he surrendered. You heard Miss Lisa, when he surrendered his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when life really begins. So here's your opportunity. If you've never prayed, here's your opportunity. You might think, well, I wasn't looking for that. Well, he was looking for you. He loves you so much. He loves you. He wants to show you his mercy, not his justice.
But if you demand justice, he'll, he'll give it to you. But he doesn't want to. He wants to give you mercy if you'll ask for it. He'll show it to you, forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a life worth living here on earth to fill you full of the Holy Spirit, teach you how to live, really live life on purpose. And when you die, which is coming to all of us, you'll spend an eternity in a place that's real. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. A place called heaven. It's only special because God is there. Jesus is there. His presence is there. That's what makes it special. So if, if that's you, you've never prayed and you want to pray, I want to pray with you. We all want to. Whether online or here, or maybe you've known him and you've, you've run away from home. You've walked away, run away. You just want to come back home. We want to pray with you too. So whether it's your first time or your next time, online I'm going to ask you on the count of three to send us a message on that message board and say, I'm praying for the first time, I'm praying for the next time. In this room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up and say it's me on the count of three. I want to get right and pray. I'm going to get right with God tonight. So here we go. One. Two, three, raise your hand up and say, I'm going to get right with God. All over this room, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Say, I'm going to get, yes, thank you. Anybody else, thank you. Don't miss this opportunity. This is, this is the best opportunity of your life right here. All heaven rejoices. Anybody else? All right, let, oh, there you go. Thank you. Praise God for you. That's awesome. Let's all pray together. Come on, church, let's all pray with these and pray with those online. Say this, say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone and that you love me. You love all humanity. So you sent Jesus to die for our sins. You raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And you said in your word, you promised that if I would believe that and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, you would save me. So I do. I believe it. I said it. And I receive the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your full forgiveness. And I thank you now, by your spirit, by your word, you teach me how to really live a life on purpose, a life intentionally, a full life in this life, giving my life away to you and others and walking in your blessings as I bless other people. Until I see you in heaven, Thank you for saving my life, restoring my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank him. Have a good night. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.